<laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to service. I'm glad you're here. My name is Becca. I'm the worship and media director here at River City. If you're new, uh, we hope you got greeted. If you didn't, let me know, and I'll make sure to fire all of our welcome team. Just kidding. I love them. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and read our lectionary passage from the Psalms this morning. If you'll go ahead and stand with me. It says, Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. There go the ships and the Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, whose looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So Jesus, we say that this morning. As long as I live, I will sing praise to you. As long as I live, I will sing praise to you, God. You are worthy of our time and attention this morning. We thank you for your presence and your spirit. We thank you that you're faithful to meet us. God, would you steady our hearts and our minds this morning in this space. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do whatever work you want to do today. It's in Jesus' name. Let's worship together. Thank you that when you ascended and promised Holy Spirit, God, I thank you that it was just another testimony of your faithfulness that the waiting was worth it. And when you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, it was for all that your heart is and will always be that you are reconciling all back to you. And so in the waiting and in the groaning for that moment to come, we're all bow down and profess you as King and Lord. Would your presence fill every part of this earth We pray for the Universal Church, its members, and its mission. We pray specifically for the believers in Nigeria as there's increased persecution, mob violence is in increasing, stoning, burning believers alive things that seem so incomprehensible to us. God, would you be near to your church in Nigeria right now? Would you bring comfort to them? Would you provide protection from them? Would you give the government 
the wisdom and the resources necessary to bring peace to their land. That they could coexist even in thinking and believing differently, that they could coexist together in safety. I pray that our prayers this morning through the Holy Spirit would encourage our believers, the fellow believers in the Church of Nigeria. May we not forget, may we not turn and a blind eye, but may we choose to press in and intercede for those all around the world who are suffering persecution for your name. And would you be near to them? Would you extend your mercy to them and your grace? God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray specifically for those in Bangladesh who were impacted by the fire and the explosion that killed 40 and that number is increasing in the hundreds that are in the hospital right now. God, would you put safety measures in place and protocols in place that would stop this common occurrence and and specifically in areas like Bangladesh. God, would you mobilize your people with policies that would protect the citizens of Bangladesh. Would you be with those who are mourning the loss of a loved one? Would you be with the doctors and the nurses and the hospitals caring for this influx of patients? God, in your mercy, would you hear our prayers? We pray for Cobb County, Smyrna, the surrounding counties, as elections are starting to take place and have taken place last week. I just pray that you would put people who have a heart to hear your wisdom, to lean into you and to surround themselves with people of wisdom. Would your presence invade those spaces, those offices that they're gonna be inhabiting? God, I just pray that they would be people that are partnered with the Spirit to bring about justice on this earth. Would they lead out of humility? Would they lead out of a posture of wanting to honor another? Give them an ear and a desire to listen and to learn. Give them grace and boldness and bravery to do what is right even when it's not popular. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for this local community and all those in it. We pray for the beavers, the Gruenbergs and the Edies as they're recovering from COVID. God, would you be in their homes? Would you let them know and remind them that they're not alone? Would you keep their symptoms minimal? Would you quicken their recovery? Would you strengthen their body that there would be no long haul COVID, that there would be no lingering effects 
and that it wouldn't spread to anybody else. We especially pray protection over Allison's mom. She has a weakened immune system, God. Bring healing quickly to their body. And we thank you finally and we testify to your goodness and what you've done and Anna Grace. We thank you for the ways that you have surprised medical doctors and surprised the family and surprised the communities surrounding them and loving them at how much and how quickly her body has healed. We thank you for that. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you respond to our prayers. I thank you that healing happens in supernatural ways, slowly and quickly. And as she goes home this week, would you align everything that needs to be lined up logistically to allow that to happen smoothly, that you would place her in her home that would be filled with peace so that her body can continue to heal and to rest and she can return to college. May this be a marker in her life of a time when you exponentially lavished your love on her. And may we testify of your goodness and your faithfulness. God, and your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. A couple quick things. Um, this is our first week where we are kind of running city kids kind of in an interim basis. And we have a lot of people who volunteered today, and I'm really appreciative of that. But also after service, we're asking our body to step in for the next two months. And we're, we had four interviews this week. So we are really aggressively pursuing our next City Kids director. But in the meantime, we need people who can step in and serve in those rooms. It's a total of nine people each week. And if you're willing, you'll sign up in one of the classrooms as you leave. If you're picking up your kids, it's a great opportunity in that classroom. Um, and then you'll receive an email from us to do a background check, and then we will move into you being able to serve this summer and give some of our regular volunteers a breather for a bit who serve so diligently. And, uh, and so we just need the body to step in during this time, which it already has. Our body is very serve-oriented, but I would just challenge you specifically, if you have kids that are a part of the ministry, it's good for you in a couple ways to one, serve where your kids are, and then to kind of pour in where your kids are being poured into. It's very helpful. And so, and then you'll meet some new people, you'll meet some of the kids, and um, it's important. So, second thing is, uh, oh yeah, that's the, that's beautiful language. Know, flow, glow, grow. And that's kind of the vision built around our vision here at the church. Also this week, thank you for prayers for the, a lot of you didn't know this, but I actually was in Wyoming on a retreat with 18 other pastors and um, most of our network churches went, and that's Riverstone, uh, Vintage, a bunch of churches from around the metro Atlanta area. And then there's a couple other churches, a church called Flatiron Church, which is a large church in Colorado, and another one in Colorado, and then one in Tampa. So this is where I sat for the last four days. It was on a river. The river is always much more impressive in person. It was literally a breath of fresh air. And so I sat in this spot, I had my own little space, hours and hours upon end each day. As you know, if you know me, this is my happy place, any river. I saw a snake, I saw two elk, I saw deer, uh, I saw trout, because they were on the end of a pole that I was swinging. Can I get an amen? 
I learned how to trout fish, which is a, um, a rich man's version of, of fishing. <laughs> I, was, I was given a pole, and they were explaining it to me, and they were saying what the things were, and they were like, well, this is the activation device. And I was like, that's a bobber. And they were like, no, this is the active. I was like, that's literally a bobber. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> but in fly fishing world, you call it something different. But it was incredibly enjoyable. I actually got to walk into that river with waders on. I was told I was one of the fastest learning fly fishers. <laughs> I'm pretty positive they say that to everyone, but I believe it in some ways. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say to you all, I got to spend a week, four days with 18 other pastors, have great conversations at night, weep with many pastors from massive churches to small churches, hear stories from pastors that would literally break your heart almost instantly. And as the week traveled through, the pastors got more and more honest, and there was just tears, just tears. Um, and so our network is very different, and I was able to be very thankful that our network is relational. What the other churches said about us was, I've noticed all week that there's seven churches from your network here. There was not one time a discussion about how many people go to each church. There was no recognizable comparison. There was true kinship. We had other pastors saying, we desire what we're seeing in your network. That's the truth about our network. And that's why I decided to join this network eight years ago. But today, Today is Pentecost Sunday. Does anybody know that? Can I get amen? So it's also the beginning of a season of Pentecost and why this is important for the church. So Pentecost is 50 days after Easter is when it was celebrated. And on this specific day, this was the day, it's explained in Acts 1, it's the day where many of the people were up in a room praying for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God is gifted to the earth. The Spirit of God fills people, and people begin to speak the story of Jesus in different languages. And then the people in the city who had no idea what was going to happen receive the message of Jesus and is able to hear the message of Jesus in their own language. So a lot of people talk about this day in a lot of different ways. One of the ways I've always felt it was important to see, it's a day of being able to hear. It's a day of listening. It's a day where understanding the gospel is possible. To understand it. To be in a place where it settles into who you are. I also think about this day, what if those people weren't willing to wait? What if those people weren't willing to be dependent? Think about how many days they waited and how many opportunities they could have been like. I'm sure there were conversations where they're like, listen, we're supposed to wait, but evidently it's not coming. So let's, we know enough about Jesus where we could probably do something. At any moment, they could have done that and formed something in their own image, but they were willing to wait. And because they waited, when the Spirit of God came, it not only impacted their group, but it impacted those around them. I see that as a clarifying difference of what prayer is to me and what we do most of the time with what we want to do. If we're willing to wait on the Father, then what is gifted to us is not just for us but there's ways to always receive what he's giving just for us. That's not the message of the gospel. That's why I think formation is important to focus on and not just mission, because I think mission comes out of this. The day of Pentecost is the day the church was born. It's literally the day the church was born and sent on mission, and it happened because there was a filling and a waiting and a dependency. There has to be a dependency. 
Because in the dependency, then the Lord can be raised high. He's not looking for spiritual Jedi who know everything, right? He's looking for people who know they don't know everything. And those are the people that the gospel comes through the best. That's encouraging. Because I don't know lots, you know. In sitting around the room with those pastors last week, I recognized how much I need to learn. But I also recognize the grace of God in a life that is consistent for a long time. And that's the kind of father I want to seek. I want to see what God can do with a life, not with a gift. I want to see what he can do with a community, not with uh, pizzazz. That's what I want to see. Because that's where fruit comes, like a tree, right? Fruit comes from a tree that's planted deeply over a period of time and not always in the first year, right? I think it's said about an apple tree, it takes three years for it to actually produce. I think I might have just made that up, to be honest with you. (laughs) It's something like that. (laughs) But it takes consistency over a long period of time for anything. And so today, I love how we've been in a season of focusing on prayer, specifically a praying life. And I love how it's been an opportunity for our body to settle in on what it looks like to be dependent. Because when I think about dependency... I think about prayer. Prayer is literally an admission we cannot do this on our own. Prayer is not just sending orders or marching orders. It's literally the space where people who have been told their entire life to do it well and to not need others to help you to admit all of that and say, I need you, Father. So I love the idea of prayer because it takes the emphasis off me. puts it back on the Father. So today we're going to talk about learning to ask. This is a part of this book, but it's also something that I think each of us wrestle through and with. And we're going to use the Lord's Prayer as a basis for this. You've all heard the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to pray like I always pray that you hear it with fresh ears. See it with fresh eyes. You feel it as if it's alive. The Word as a living epistle to our hearts, which I would see as God's largest mission field. I thought about this this week. Where is God's largest mission field on earth? It's, it's the human heart. It'll always be the human heart. I almost think the human heart's like the 1040 window of the, of the personal body. It's the place we least most want him in. It's the place we most need him. What's happening in here. So I'm gonna use this as a backdrop. You guys can follow along with me. I'm gonna read it from here. You can read it from there. I'm hoping it's the same version I think it is. This is chapter 6, 7 through 12. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Yeah. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you'll just pray with me for a moment. Father, my prayer today is that you would allow us to see where we're dependent and not as a place where we're broken and need to be fixed, but as the actual doorway. And I also pray today that we would understand your invitation, 
as the people in the city that heard the message of the gospel through people in their own language, that you would know each person's own language here specific to them in the ways that they hear, which are specific to them, and that they would recognize that you are concerned with speaking to them in a way that they hear because you want us to walk in the gospel alive and full even more than we desire it. So break down our walls, bust through our barriers, allow us to see the dependency as a gift, not a curse. We thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. So really quickly about this prayer. This is more of a scaffolding than a building. It's more of a framework that's given to these people so that they can then let the growth happen through it. It's all built around the Father. The Father is the crux of this. And we've talked about this before, but the Lord's Prayer is really two large movements And if you did the ETS groups with us, you've heard this. The first part is orientation or a settling in. It's a recognition of what's already happening. There is a father who has a will where his creation, sit down, settle down. Now, I think that's important, the word settle down. Everybody say settle down. down. I thought, thank you very much. I thought about this this morning. When I think of the thing settle down, I think you either think of getting married. I I think instantly as a father, like settle down, be quiet. But I think in this prayer, this first portion, this first movement, orientation, settle down, actually to me makes sense if I think about actually going down. When we settle down and we go low, the Lord or the Father is able to be at the high place or seated rightly, but it takes us recognizing we have to go low That's what this prayer is about to start. This is not me about to get all that I want. This is me recognizing whose I am, whom I am, and what I'm called to. And first and foremost, Christianity and the entrance into it is the submission that you are a part of the Father's kingdom and that He is in control, you are not in control. This is very hard for us. This is very, very hard for us. It also emphasizes that this Father is actually active and working which is very important for the life of prayer. Because why would we pray if that's not happening? If everything's going to happen as if it's going to happen anyway, then what, what does he need our prayers for? Why is he teaching the disciples? He's literally sitting with them and giving them tools. I think about you and helping me tear down a wall in my house and how you brought tools in and you were like, this is how you do this. And then you left and I tore the wall down and a lot of bad things happened, but it was good. <laughs> he's showing up to the disciples and he's saying, here are some tools. This is not just me saying, say this perfectly. I'm trying to give you tools because you're going to need these tools. The first part of the Lord's Prayer is orientation. I am the Father's. I go low. I am a son. I'm in the family. I am completely dependent. And in every area I feel like I don't need Him is an area I am not dependent. And that's really tricky for us because we mostly have all this stuff taken care of. When's the last time you prayed for your daily bread? Most people in this room have never had to worry about where food was coming from in their lives. That might not be true for everyone. That's a broad stroke, but it's true for most people I know. I have food enough in my house that I could last, I got three kids, so maybe like half time it. It could last a week and a half. Easy, easy. We've never had to pray like that. So we don't think about prayer like that. But the first thing that gets us in this prayer is this idea of your will. Your will be done. You read it when you walked, walked in, right, on the wall there, on, in Smyrna as it is in heaven. 
Do we recognize what we're praying there? His will, not our will? Do we recognize where we are? The Enlightenment brought a bunch of things. One of the things it brought us in the Enlightenment was the idea that we can be self-sufficient and we should be self-sufficient. We should not need other people. I I was watching a show on the plane this week called Life Below Zero. Has anybody ever seen the show? Life Below Zero? Awesome. It's a good time. It's good. This is a good connection with me and you right now. Basically, the idea is people move to a place, they do their own homestead, they don't need other people. So they bring all kinds of tools, they make their own tools. Some people don't even use like up-to-date tools, they use tools from 200 years ago. But one of the statements that was made while I was prepping this on the plane was, the idea of living alone is freedom. To be completely self-sufficient and not dependent on anyone else, else is freedom. And this is a common thought for us, that we would be able to do it all without the help of anyone else. This is one of the first things that we have to make peace with as we start to pray. Where is my will? Where is his will? Am I comfortable when I am dependent? Am I comfortable when I don't know what to do? We would usually say these places we're not comfortable are our broken places that need to be fixed. I know for me, when I pray, it's not give me the long haul kind of faith that lets me see you. It's more like, please stop this from happening. Please produce this amount of money for this. Please change this relationship, which I don't think is terrible. But the first move of prayer in a praying life is the idea that what I get from a praying life is the loss of control and the loss of independence. But what I do get in a praying life is friendship with God. I get to see the activity of God in the lives of those I love. I get to see the tide of evil roll back just a little bit. I get to partner with God and co-create. This is very troubling for some people, this conversation, to believe that when we pray, things actually happen. Most people do not believe that when we pray, things actually happen. I believe that when we pray, things actually happen. I don't get to decide, right? If I pray for six beamers to be in my, car, to be in my driveway when I get home today, If I'm mature enough to continue a conversation with the Father, a lot of times that conversation will look like, for me, Josh, why are you asking me for six beamers? And then I get to interact with the Father and say, well, I need it. (laughs) And then he's like, but do you? What about the Quest van that you have? 2012 van, it's still, it's good. It's not as bad as it sounds, it's good. What about the truck that you have? Are those not enough? And then I get to say, I mean, there may be enough, but it wouldn't be terrible to have something new. We get to pray prayers like, I want a vacation house. This is actually a a part of the book. And then we get to say, do you need a vacation house? But here's what we do. (laughs) If I could say yes. We're here to say, we should all community pitch in and buy something somewhere. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like a commune and strange. I instantly regretted it, but yes. We could do it, guys. We could do this. But what we do instead of saying, because we feel a little bit ridiculous sometimes about our true prayers, so we just don't ask and we do. <laughs> that's literally what happens. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to pray that because that's selfish, but then we do the thing. What if we were to say, I'm inviting you into this? What kind of actual conversations would you have? Or even sometimes just Christian community. Like, what 
What do you see in this care? This is something I feel like I need to do. The wisdom of the community of God and the actual wisdom of God. But it takes being able to settle in to know I actually have a will and I'm imposing it on my world. And the way that churches get really messy is when everyone is going after their own will, there's, there's going to be fights. And there, honestly, just for you to know, I don't think that this is, there's any other way around this because we all have that happening. And I think it's really unique when enough people in a space actually say, we really want the Father's will, and to not assume that, you already, that you're the only one that knows the Father's will. Because that's, that's the next step in what we think maturity is, is I want the Father's will, but it looks like this. And then we start to impose that on people as the Father's will and not just our will. But what the Father's will looks like and what maturity looks like to me as people grow older, it's not growing in certainty, it's growing in uncertainty about what you think and certainty about what he'll do, which you don't get to control. I don't know how many people that day on Pentecost had a script for what was going to happen. I'm sorry. I know exactly how many people had a script. And no one would have done it that way. The best opinion from one of the smartest people in that room would not have been that. Because that is not even something anyone would think about. There, so there's going to be flames over our heads. We're all going to speak in a different language. People are going to hear the message of Jesus. No one could have done that. The work of God, when people go low and settle down, can happen. And when people become dependent, not on their own will, and recognize that they do have a will that needs to be set down, that's when the work of Jesus comes through communities and people. And that's when stories like this happen. Think about Mary. What happened in her? She had no idea all of that. She thought this was just a gift to her. This gift to her was a gift to everyone. This gift at Pentecost was a gift to everyone. They didn't form a mission plan. They formed a dependence plan. And in their dependence, the work of the Father got to come through them. I, I could run because of that. Because that's the part we can do. We don't have to have... <laughs> literally, I, don't, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say... So literally on the group after us at this place, Kirk Cameron was coming in. Literal Kirk Cameron was coming in in a group of people. We don't have to have Kirk Cameron to be a good Christian community. We don't have to have anything super significant that gives us notoriety. I'm actually starting to believe the less notoriety we have, the more possible it is for the gospel to come through us. So when I think about, like I was talking to some of the pastors this week and talking about how we want to have impact, I had some troubling conversations because I said things like, I don't believe God is desiring that we get massive I almost had arguments with people, but I do believe he wants us to settle down and listen and be at peace. And whoever we have in our body, for those people to step in and to see growth through those people. And you don't have to have a massive platform. Platforms are not necessarily helpful. Platforms in the wrong time can destroy things. So I'm thankful that we've been walking through a praying life because I'm thankful that we're recognizing that without him, it's going to be impossible. And Jesus does so much good work in dependence. One of the people on the retreat with me, I told you a couple weeks ago that I formed these like 10 questions that I would like God to answer so I can teach my kids how to be good kids and grow up to be awesome. And they're really gifts that I want them to, when they leave our house, be able to navigate. And one of the questions was, well, two of the questions I asked to this group. I said, well, what is wisdom? And how does a person make a decision? And massive, awesome feedback. What is wisdom? Wisdom is taking a situation that we want wisdom for 
and taking this amount of space that we're focused on and including God this much and shifting those two. So wisdom is making this much of God in that and making the situation little. And when that happens, it's, it's, it's like the wisdom of God can come. But what we do is big situation, huge situation, little God. Does that make sense? That to me was helpful. And then how do you make a decision? Decision is actually discernment. So discernment it's not about making a decision. It's about how do you discern how to make a decision. And that to me looks like prayer and seeking and giving space for God to speak when you don't have an answer and waiting. So how do you make a decision? Not quickly. I don't know. I mean, unless you're about to get hit by a car and your thought is, I need to do something quick. I think you should make that decision pretty rapidly. But in almost every other scenario, especially large decisions and small, discernment is important. Not your wisdom, God's wisdom. That's such a huge thing to me. So, so how do we ask then? What do we ask for? This was not easy for me to take when I read this part because I'm one who has always believed that we do kind of pray selfishly. But I think we should pray for anything and everything. I think if we desire it, we should pray it. And that doesn't mean I'm saying you get what you want, you get what you want. It's not Oprah Christianity. It's not everybody leaves with a brand new house. It's God needs to work with the real DNA of our hearts. And if we, I, I sometimes think we show up to prayer in third person. Like, like, this is the real us, and we're over here praying for us. Josh asks for peace. And then I'm like, yeah, that's good. I just want that. And God's like, let's just go back over here. Josh, what's going on? I'm struggling with identity. Why? I do want a new car. Why? All these things that are truly in our heart is what he wants us to, to give to him. Because in that, the real us is where he's going to work. Unless we want him to work in third person us, that doesn't even make sense. But unless we want him to work in this version we're trying to promote, this adult version of this true, like, we are all confused and need your help, then we need to just settle down and start asking for whatever. What would it look like to include him in everything you want? When Jesus approaches the disciples, he finds really quickly what their desires are. What do you want from me? He says to Bartimaeus. Uh, and he gets an answer. And then he works with them. And then there's healing. And then there's connection. So if you were to examine how to start asking, James says we don't have because we don't ask. So I want to back off saying make sure you pray non-selfishly and say just pray. Just give something in and then let him interact with it. What if you were to start again a rhythm of having a conversation? What if a conversation is abiding? What if abiding in the Father is not stepping away every time you think you're too mature, or stepping away every time you, he shouldn't answer that, or stepping away every time something's not getting answered? What if it's remaining? Yeah, I want this. For those of you who want a spouse, what if it looked less like looking for a spouse and more like giving him access to that part of your heart. For those who have trouble going on with your spouse, what if instead of evaluating whether or not that person's an idiot, you say to the father, why is this hurting me so much? Why am I so triggered by this action? And then finding out that maybe it's because that's the same action that you're giving. These are the kinds of things that happen when we pray. He doesn't just change those around us. He involves us in the changing, right? I had to interact with this before the pandemic on comparison as a pastor. 
And I always lost that. I always lost that battle. And so, but I, I still wanted to have that as my own thing. It wouldn't have looked like that on the outside. Maybe, maybe it would have. It probably would have looked like the opposite, me saying things like, we don't need to compare ourselves to churches, but I still graded myself on comparison of what I saw as valuable in other people. But it was always things that were valuable to the masses, not necessarily to relationship. And so when I was able to kind of step into the shame of that, instead of feeling like I was a failure and just be like, I don't necessarily know why. I've heard it. I shouldn't compare. I get that. You've heard before, like when you look at Instagram and the perfect person's posted their perfect life, you know you should not compare, but you find yourself in a space of like, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing better than I am. So what happens when we step through whatever that is to say, I need you to speak into this? At first, maybe not the best thing, but God brings healing over time. And that's when I think if those true things are brought to the feet of Jesus and we begin to ask in relation to those things, I think some healing can happen and then he can show us how that actually impacts the world around us. The book talks about three things we don't like to pray for. Change in others, because we feel like that's controlling. Change in ourself, because we don't feel like it can happen. And then change in our world, because what's the purpose? There's literally nothing that's gonna change. But when we pray, it's actually incarnating Jesus in those situations. That's, that's scandalous. Somebody in here should be scandalized by that. When we pray as his body, it incarnates or bring to life Jesus into that setting. I love that. Where's the good shepherd's presence needed? Where in your life is the good shepherd's presence needed? What if you were to invite him into that? Whatever it is. Family, kids, money, school, job, future, shootings, all of it. Racism, politics, your secret desires, your secret sins. What if you actually took the secret sins happening? By the way, newsflash, secret sins are doing well these days. They're killing it. If it was a business plan, it'd be killing it. What if you were to bring the good shepherd into secret sin instead of letting it be the reason you're not to be with the good shepherd? That's, the good shepherd is really ready for that. So ready, we're like, oh. And it, it's, it never, if it's really with him, it's never like, you have a badge to do that whenever you want, whatever it is. It's more like, ah, how did I not see that? That I was looking for this in the wrong places. How did I not see that if I brought it to life, that it would, they would bring healing. And one of the books of the Bible I read, it talks about confessing to each other. Most of us are not ready for that. That ain't happening for most of us. It actually liberates us to forgive each other through Jesus. That is also scandalous, but scripture. So take it up with the Bible. But what if we just started to pray? What if we just picked something to say, all right, I'm going to commit this to prayer. In our ETS group, and I'm going to close soon, we started doing prayer cards maybe a year ago. And I'm very meticulous with stuff like this. I'm a huge nerd with writing. Every day I write stuff out. And I've committed to each of my family members the things that I want to see God do. I'll, I'll just brag on one, and it's Sarah, if she's still in here. She's helping in the kids. I have seen her step out of her season of ministry, step into a season of depletion, and be completely filled with new life. 
I don't know that she's at a spot where she would say it like that. And I feel uncomfortable now talking about her, <laughs> realizing I'm saying too much. I sometimes don't know what too much is. But I can literally look at the life of Christ in her and see fruit from it. Not just from my prayers, from her prayers, from people's prayers. God is answering those prayers. God is answering those prayers over the long haul. I've seen in our church a seek to see God bring the right person for roles. God literally brought, brought Bess. Is she in here somewhere? She's right there. She's amazing as a human. Um, Bobby is too. Just amazing. So is Willow. God is answering prayer. I see God answer prayers with different things than people thought. Right? I, see, I see sometimes in the prayer process, if people really commit to kind of seeking God for it, whole prayers change. That wouldn't have even been thought of as a prayer. Whole prayers. It, I've seen prayer turn into confession at times when people realize, oh, it actually isn't the person, it's me. Heal me. What I've also seen is people never pray and never see change in any areas. I'd, I'm, I'm interested in co-laboring with our Creator and seeing the creativity of the Spirit of God infuse the earth. We literally co-labor with a living and acting God who's... T- this is not me guessing. He's telling us, seek my face and pray. Ask for the kingdom of God to come into your world and it will happen. That's all of us. So will we be a people who lay down our own will and will we be a people who pray? We have to learn to pray. You don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. We have a good shepherd that wants to teach us. He's going to hand us tools along the way. It will be specific to where you're at. He is not Home Depot. I wish I had a clever joke right there. I don't have a clever joke. Let's just sit and wait on a clever joke, everyone. Just feel the spirit of clever jokes. He's so singularly connected to where you're at, he actually knows the language of how you'll hear. And if you would just wait on that, so much more will happen than what you're trying to do with your own little thing. That's good news. I'm going to read you this from Romans 8. This is actually from the lectionary this week. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God daughters of God. For you did not receive this spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, you ha- but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You are a child and children are dependent. The Spirit of God is active and the Spirit is in you, witnessing to you, praying in ways you do not know how to pray for yourself. Give space to the Spirit of God to breathe through you. You don't even know how, but ask something and then give space and let the Spirit lead you. The Spirit is filling His children and always will be for those who desire. Dependency equals the Lord going high. Humility means we will be used. We submit our plans to the Father. We submit our wills, which are active right now, to the Father, and we say, forgive us. We settle down and we ask, will you lead this? Will you lead my marriage? Will you lead my parenting? 
Will you lead my job? Will you lead my thoughts about myself? Will you lead me out of selfishness? Will you lead me out of thinking I have to be good at everything on my own without community? That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're dependent on Jesus and community. A world without those things is just your world. It is not freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord lives within the community. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's collective. When we settle and we trust and we wait, He not only heals us, but He heals through us. It's not just about us, but it's about all of us. So we lay down our, we, our wills, Father, and we recognize that as we pray, You have a will, and You want that will on earth as it is in heaven. And that's not just angry at a dumb world. That's the Spirit of God bringing life to dead places. People learning to dream again and have joy and hope again. People stepping away from shame and addiction and hopelessness and stepping into the long game of discipleship, which is a walk with you, not a run. It's not in two seconds. It's in 70 years. We want to be planted like a tree next to rivers of living water. We want to produce fruit because we're connected to you. You get to choose the fruit. I'm just going to pray for a moment. If you guys will just close your eyes and pray with me for a moment. confession is a really great bridge to dependency so I'm just going to create a little space in this room for you to just with your father just be honest here's where I've been self-sufficient forgive me just in your own way if you'd like to kneel feel free if you'd like to come to this you can if you'd like to sit in your seat you can create some space for just a moment to close with this prayer if you close your eyes with me I'm going to just step into some imaginative prayer which is something the church has practiced for centuries and something that's helped many people with a stagnant prayer life step into the life of prayer and in your mind's eye I want you to ask the father to show you where the good shepherd is needed don't overthink it Close your eyes and ask, where is the good shepherd needed? Where are you needed, Jesus?
as you hear in whatever way you can write down or text yourself or whatever. I want you to annoy God with that prayer for the next week. I want you to be a complete adolescent, just a bratty kid. Let your inner brat come out this week. Don't stop asking the Father. Even when you annoy yourself, write it on your mirror, write it on your hand. Keep knocking, just all night long till homeboy wakes up. Lock into that. If you'll stand with me. As we step into this, I'm going to give you a prayer exercise. I'm giving you lots. This was also said this week. We were talking about people who struggle to hear the voice of God, which is a lot of people. In fact, I get a little leery when somebody hears it almost too well, especially for me. But a a thought was given that I really enjoy. And it was for those who don't really feel like when they pray they hear God, to present a situation to Him and you answer like you think God would answer. Begin a conversation saying, how, how do you think God would answer that if God was speaking? And I think you'll be surprised at figuring out God might already be speaking. Really, really super duper thankful for all of you. I showed up today and was thankful to be here. I'm still thankful. If you're new, what a great way to meet people down at the table. There's pizza. Ask questions. Meet people. Meet people. If you've been here for a while and you'd like to pitch in to the thoughts about how to use this space, we'll be up here. Other than that, I pray that God would be so near you this week. He would sense his nearness. He would go before you. And he would follow. Jesus, thank you for this body and these people and this city and the people in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.